Hey guys, it's Jason Webb. This is the show that highlights local business leaders and the movers and shakers of Minnesota. Welcome to Minnesota Made. All right, guys, <clears throat> I'm sitting here at Stahl Construction with Jesse Houlihan. And, uh, you know, my first impression of Jesse, I don't know what she's got in that green container over there, but I think it's full of rocket fuel. <laughs> she's on another level, guys. All right, so you might have to listen to this one more than once to catch everything she's saying. Uh, but I'm excited about it. She has a very unique, interesting way of looking not only at business, but at life. Mm. Right, Jesse? I appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you. I feel seen after 20 minutes. I appreciate that. Well, good. Um, so I don't know where to start. You know, I guess we'll start from the beginning. Jesse Houlihan, you mentioned you were from Wisconsin. Yeah, like right? rural, central Wisconsin, far okay. country. And here you are now in Minneapolis, yeah. in this beautiful building. We're sitting up in the, what do you call this? The mezzanine? This is our little mezzanine space here, yeah. looking out at the cafe. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great spot here. So how did uh, little Jesse from rural Wisconsin end up Right here. I actually often think about how young me would feel about me now, and I haven't always felt this way, but right now I feel like young me would be like, yes. Yeah, you're kicking ass. I am a yes for that human. Let's hope, let's whatever. Yep, that's me. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I was like, I, I grew up outside a lot. I really played outside. I'm one of four. I love my siblings. Really curious. I think there's a lot to not being distracted by screens these days. Like, oh, sure. really um, enjoy the natural world. And that was very much my early like, purview of the world. My dad's really scientific. I was always really curious, and they fed me in that. Like, whatever questions I had were answered. Um, and I always like learned to sort of trust that, that propelling sort of guidance. So where were you in the siblings? Are you a middle child, oldest? What do you think? Oh, I'm gonna say oldest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what'd your parents do? My dad is a doctor, and he specifically chose that community. Wanted to work in family practice in sort of rural area and be in service of community. And he really embodied that. Like took on every role, every extra shift, every volunteer thing. Really just like loved. Yeah, um, sharing his gift, yeah. yeah. And then my mom was with us, but she was like a wildly creative woman, like really loved to sing and make art and write and make plays. And and she also just like let us be. She let us be like wild, hanging out of trees, running in and out of the house, eating what we liked. And yeah. um, I feel like she really had reverence for our, our spirits and let us kind of evolve into what we each were. So I was going to ask, do you feel like you're more like your mom or dad? But I, my guess is, it's a good combination of both. I would say yeah. I, yeah. Would, I think that they, would, if they were to talk about me, they're like, they see threads of who they each are and are like, what? How did that happen? Like, right. there's some oddities about me they like to talk about. Oddities? Want to talk some more about the oddities? Oh, I don't even. Yeah, I don't know. I'm my own sort of creature. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay, you're in Wisconsin, and after high school, what happened? Um, in high school in general, when I was 17, I feel like I had a moment where I was like, kind of chose what I wanted to study. Um, and in general, I always loved science, but I also really loved like communication and sort of sociology, human beings. Um, and I did have like a moment where I kind of grabbed myself to a degree and was like, hey, you're not really making conscious choices on behalf of your own good. What is it you want? How do you want to show up? Who do you want to be? And I kind of picked like, I want to study these things. I want to stand for myself um, in my own spirit, my own goodness, and like let that take up space and kind of embark from there. So chose to study environmental science and journalism. 
specifically because I thought, you know, environmental science integrated all of the basic biologies and sciences, but our, our world is changing and how we relate to it needs to change with it. And I feel like a huge piece of that is just communication, understanding gap. Sociology, how do we behave and think? How are we communicating and really hearing, understanding so we can respond to our stimulus? So I wanted to be like a bridge in the sense of that. Um, and then I went about like, where do you study that? And there was like one place that had specifically those two degrees, um, and it was the U of M. I was also terrified of debt at the time, so I was like, reciprocity sounded like a good thing. Um, and that is why this place got me for the next 15 years. This place, Minneapolis. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Minnesota. You went to the U of M, graduated, uh, never left. Yeah. Here in Intended to a number of times, and in college I tried my hand in a bunch of stuff. In general, I was trying to figure out where I fit in, in the ecosystem broadly. Um, I tried my hand at you know, working in government and felt like it was slow and took a long time to try anything. And nonprofit, I, I struggled for the sway of donor dollars and the disconnect from actual impact, like what that was. And then journalism died in front of my face really in college. Like that market changed and became something where you bought sensationalism. It was owned by a point of view. We no longer reported with ethics on behalf of the community. So I was getting paid. I was an editor and a writer at the time and watched that sort of income stream change and what the assignments were changed. And I felt like I had to sort of clear that. And when I came to look for work, it was like, you know, who? I felt like I was struggling an environmentalist in 2008. Where do you find someone who can pay you to, to do something? Sure. And it ended up being an international environmental consulting company based in Amsterdam that wanted to have a North American presence here in Minneapolis. And that is why I stayed really coming out of college, was able to, you know, get paying work. Right. And then the last, like, you know, in general, Minneapolis can be, the Twin Cities can be compelling. Sure. It keeps you. Mm. Interesting. Um, well, so you did some, you worked some, uh, you had a job or you worked, did some time working in technology, right? Yeah, so yeah. out of school I worked in consulting, but I worked on carbon credit projects. Okay. So that firm, we developed renewable energy projects in like Africa and Asia that were funded by like France and Germany okay. through a carbon exchange that the UN regulated. There was also a carbon exchange in Chicago. So I worked analyzing carbon. And carbon's important because carbon's going to be important again really soon. It's going to be the base commodity that we need to think about again. So I love carbon. to think about that. Carbon. Huh. We don't need to dive into it today. That'll be the like next conversation. Okay. Okay. But good. it did a lot of assessment understanding that as a base unit and working on supply chains and sort of developing that. And it's part of when I bumped into architects and engineers initially. Okay. Um, I was in the seat of like technical scientific expert. Um, but really, I was watching design processes happen, conversations happen around how space is going to get used, and my brain was like going. It was like, whoa, there's so much that goes into that choice, that choice, that choice. Um, and I was not there to advise on that, but I was certainly very curious. And I also was starting to relate to the fact that I, I didn't really want to be the technical expert in the room either. And I didn't want to be doing all of the carbon assessments. I wanted to be like, driving where the conversation was going to be going. Um, so that was a real spark for me. But after that firm, um, I did go to an environmental tech company, um, really came to help them bridge the gap between environmental compliance and how they are building a tool, marketing and selling it, to make sure that that was true on both sides of the equation. Sure. Yeah. So, stall construction. Yeah. How did uh, how'd you get plugged in here? Yeah. I feel like I just have to keep taking you through the journey. Yeah. Because yeah, it, yeah. it leads me right back to stall. Yeah. So, I'm going to take Let's you back to the tech company. <laughs> um, so I came to help, I guess, as a technical bridge again. But the company really is fascinating because in the Twin Cities here, do you know much about the Retech story? 
Retech. Retech and Oracle here in the Twin Cities? Well, my former boss, and I would still call him a current mentor because I learned from him constantly, um, he was one of the people who built a company called Retech Up and sold it to Oracle, Oracle Tower downtown. Pretty big, um, I would say one of the big first you know, tech transactions and companies here in the Twin Cities. I mean, he, St. Paul guy, um, really grew and developed a career alongside that with some partners and started taking over um, and helping so the tech scene emerge and, and grow here. So they came to this company, um, bought into it, or came as executives and bought into it, um, but ended up wanting to buy out a board and take a company from a local sort of hardware vendor, software play, to a global company focused on energy, sustainability, refrigerant management, and distributed entities around the, around the world, really. So it was really neat to come work for them in a technical capacity, but then when they shifted the company, I had the chance to work directly for our CEO um, and then the board when they were buying up the board and watch them build a market, sell a market, adapt, figure out a price it, how to build teams, culture, strategies internally, how to adapt. And really taught me like how do you move on the fly and how do you consistently stay sharp to that, not be complacent to it, be aware of that evolution. Um, and then navigate that on behalf of your business. And I love that fast, like aggressive, aggressive thinking. Um, but for me, I kept coming back to like, do I want to sell SaaS software? And is this my true passion? And where are my greatest values? And I really wanted to apply that thinking, but back to the built space. I loved, I love this complex problem. Um, it's a labor, it's a material, it's a, it's a public, private, dynamic problem. It's complex and it's ripe for evolution. Um, so I really, with intent, chose to leave that tech company one and come back into built space. At the time, recruiters were calling me a lot to go take interviews at tech companies because we actually are kind of a burgeoning space for that. And I kept answering the phone like I knew I wanted to go to an interview. And eventually someone got frustrated and was like, what do you want to do anyways? And I said, I really do want to be in built space. I want to figure out if that's architecture, real estate development, engineering. Construction. I just I want to somehow be in commercial real estate, and the guy sort of laughed at me and said, "It's 2012. It's still suffering. No one's looking for someone coming out of tech to want to go work in real estate." Such a shift. Yeah. So he, but he called a week later. His partner had found an interview, and that was with Wayne Stahl, the owner of Stahl Construction. Um, so there is a fateful sort of transition there. I think that that's a cool part of my story in general. If you spend time with yourself and go inward and figure out what it is you want, what you want to develop, what's coming out of you, if you get clear about that, you magnetically draw it. Sure. So it's just something to be aware of. If you want it and suddenly you see those opportunities, do not be surprised. Yeah. Those are for you. <laughs> Mind you, they're for you. Yeah. So took the interview. I was one out of nine people and the only person not out of construction and architecture. And I wish on... I wish I, I wish I knew how the other interviews went. I actually don't know what he thought of the but other people. There's nine. Yeah. Eight of them are already in the business, right. already in the construction. You're right. not. No, yeah. And I don't know where I landed in the mix, too, of how many people he saw and then saw me. So I'm not sure how he's feeling. I do, know, right. I do know that, I, yeah, it's, you know, I felt him. You know, he, he had a bunch of questions and he cared. But at some point in his interview, he just like set down this paper. And he just started telling me from his heart where he was at in his business. And it was like he cared so much about his staff. His staff cared so much about his clients. He cared about creating good work. All of his choices have been aligned with trying to do the right thing, but not always understanding like, what to do with all these circumstances and how to grow this. And not really wanting to run the business himself and trying his hand at other people in place. But just like he said, I'm a ship, like we're a ship at sea without a captain. And like I believe I want my like I want my team. I want to believe that they have something and I need someone to help kind of fix that and make that happen. And I just felt him, it was like, his values were there, this was the chance, this was the place, 
Um, you know, I'll come help you for I'll help you for six months. I'll come get to know your team. I'll interview everybody and try to. I'll do a market study to really understand how you fit within the ecosystem and see what you can do to try to get back on track. Um, you know, when I came, I did. I interviewed everybody. I spent the first couple weeks of, of my role just talking to everybody. But also that forced transformation unearthed a lot as we cleared things out. Stuff comes out. We immediately had a vice president leave. You know, mis yeah. misalignment with stuff. Took some money out of the business. Um, just we had stuff that we needed to kind of walk through and as we unearthed these logs and figured out what was there You know what was there was amazing people right people not in the right seats You know not enough structure and consistency not enough risk management approach not clarity on marketing You know clarity on what our value is, but the values there. It's like salt of this earth follow through grit good people um, there was a lot of right material and They were ready, you know, I, I feel like I, I came for Wayne Then I met everybody else and fell in love with them and I stayed for them, you know yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Going from tech to construction, man, is it, to me, as an outsider looking in, it seems like a completely different skill set. However, what I get a sense of regarding you is that it's kind of the same. It's all people, right? It's You're people, it's data, it's people, process, tools, strategy. People, process, tools, and strategy, right? Wow. And then underlying that, ideally, they're a good organization rooted in core values. Yeah. Real mission, vision, you know? Yeah. And what are the three uh, words you have under the word stall construction? Yeah, we, so we rebranded eventually. We grew quite a bit after I came, and then we rebranded a number of years ago. We moved here. So now we are no longer stall construction. We're stall, lead, inspire, build. Okay. These words are pretty intentional. But the idea was we were wanting stall to be the parent of letting it sort of expand into doing more kinds of work. Now, sure. several years later, you know, we're sitting looking at stall and actually our other business tech done, and we're ready to say, actually, yeah, we want to fully optimize each of those and introduce wow. even another piece. So what do you contribute this turnaround and uh, your short-term success too? Um, I wouldn't just say short-term success. This evolution and growth comes with pain points and opportunities always. Yeah. So I would not want to like tell anybody out there that getting to the point that you can like really invest in everything you want to do as a team is an easy path. We've had many, many hard, hard you know, battles we've fought together to get here. So what you've taken, you've been part of, in your role for how long now? I've been here nine years now. Nine years. I came okay. as their director of corporate development, vice president alongside a, their vice president for 25 years. I worked alongside him for a full year, which was yeah. incredible. I really fell in love with field management working alongside Paul's Chris Kelly. Um, learning from him on his discipline and understanding and enlivening labor and working with people. Love him. And then took on the presidency for maybe the last seven, six years. Yeah, I apologize. Maybe I misspoke. You know, when I say short term, it just seems like you've accomplished a lot in, in a short period of time. You know, and, and I'm sure it hasn't been easy. Uh, what have been some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome, do you feel? Yeah. Um, you know, I think things, our lawyer told me one year, there's things that happen every 20 years in business, and baby, this year you got three. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's just the things that happen, right? Right. And, so when I look back at our trajectory, you know, first we had, you know, clearing stuff up internally, housekeeping, consistency, structure, working through process, um, people and departments, and, and then a lot of culture, actually. As you start to shift and work through problems and you start to listen to people, you start to really hear them, you shift into a different mode of culture building and, and working with that. And it's not always easy energies of what's there, what's happened over many years, what works and what doesn't work. And I think a shift in management that you're seeing right now too, Harvard Business Journal has a great article on this of like cultures of management over time. You can watch this power over dynamic, which has been for a very long hundreds of years, yeah, power yeah. over assertion. We are shifting into power with, 
power within, power to. And I would say my management style, and, and with that company, that is my style. I respect the people that I work with. I work for them and they work for me. And it's, it's a symbiosis for like an ecosystem. So in our evolution cycle of like pushing back, of like you're being heard now and your place in this organization is there. And also, companies would die if we don't enliven our employees. This company wouldn't have gotten here if it wasn't for not just my strategies, but the humans. So that is like shifting from that management style to listening, structure, strategy, growth, <laughs> pulling, and then we unearth like what works, what doesn't work, and where are people at. And then there's a lot of growth to that, fixing culture. Fixing what that means, working with men and women around how we coexist and create together. And it, we've had some big things. We've had developers not pay us in, to the tunes of millions of dollars over a long term where we paid out money to others because we wanted them to be okay, but we had to hold that for several years. Yeah. That was a really challenging, like long-term real estate choices. We invested in a development that I believed in the mission for community and had to struggle through massive challenges with a broader team to be able to make that a reality and it put our company at serious risk. At the same time, our owner had terminal cancer. I was going through a family transition and two of my leadership team members had cancer and family deaths happening. So if you look at business and where you get to, I could not be here without my leadership team, without our broader team. And my strategies that we came up with from the get-go wouldn't have been strong without their earnest care and insight. So I'm, I feel really honored to have walked through this with them and like, I have such, when we think about short-term success, I'm like, oh, we've won and we've bled, I feel so yeah. honored to be right here and ready to now invest in like a prosperous future for all of all of them and our, our bigger mission. 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 Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. What are you guys currently doing? What, what are some of the yeah. projects or focuses that you have right now for Stahl? Yeah, so I would talk about Tecton. Tecton is our, our self-performance division, so Tecton's labor um, and carpentry. So they're in the Labor's and Carpenters Unions, but we do demo work, select demo work. We're doing more around, and we want to do more around material reclamation, so going into buildings and taking out materials that can be used for reuse. So I'd love to talk about that because we really want to grow in that category of our business too. We also do special projects, so smaller tenant build-outs, smaller things. You need your roof replaced, you want to do something at your commercial building, you want to figure out the most sustainable option for building a deck off your commercial building, everything from small stuff on up, and alt facilities sort of looking at maintenance and facilities of buildings, that part of our division manages that. So pretty much everything under two and a half million dollars and self-performance. Stall is lean construction execution. So stall is our big construction engine. Um, I love I love the work we do there. Um, a poor part of our work's public sector, a part of it's private. We build a lot of schools. Actually, we built over a billion dollars worth of school projects. Also, city work. Um, and often in those capacities, we work as a construction manager. So we are consulting to a public entity, um, and we manage their construction project for them. Um, most recently, we did the city of Wayzata's downtown, the lake that Panaway project. It's called Lake Effect, but we did their whole main street, built a park amenity. That's a great example because we're really good at projects where sort of expanded stakeholder needs, sort of complex moving parts, and we can be the partner that can manage communications, social media, um, construction strategy, all of that, safety separations, communications, logistics, all of it. So we love that part of the business. On the private side, we do a lot of multi-unit, hospitality. Um, multi-unit also means like residential, so apartments for rent or mixed-use projects like that, and we're personally really passionate about debt reuse. So buildings like this building, um, go back to carbon. It's wonderful if we can work for something that what's already invested is great for the long term and we can build good things alongside it. Help it have a new life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Future, more of the same. Are you looking to get anything new or expand on a particular area that you want to uh, focus on? Yeah. 
So also we have offices here and in Iowa, I would note, in Des Moines, too. Okay. Um, so I would say in our markets where we already are, we would like to gain a market share, but with value-aligned clients. We're not just looking for work. We want value-aligned clients that understand that if we partner better, we can build things with values in mind at the same budget, on schedule, with more impact. And we're doing it already. <laughs> so I want to gain a market share with people that believe that, get that, and are willing to try it that with us and know we can save the money and get there. So that, but we also want to grow um, by doing some more new things to um, both other markets. I know I'm excited about this. I also feel a little early to talk about it. So I'm excited though. It's been a lot of years of working on this, um, but we're ready to expand into other markets too, where really our skill sets are more aligned with where their value sets and investments already are. Um, so we're looking at those kinds of markets and partnerships, frankly, that would enable us to go there. We're also looking at developing ourselves, really focusing on the small to mid-sized projects, um, regenerative development, doing more together. So how can we build, you know, one of our first projects that we'll probably we'll start building this year is uh, affordable housing, and it's we're building it modular with solar. We want to have community gardens, some sort of just looking at how do we build the right sorts of things, even at like a nine-unit size, or yeah. and start to work on densification. We're also looking at you know, opportunity zone and other sort of value-aligned uh, development work. And then another pipeline I'm super pumped about too is I can't not talk about that. Looking at um, rural main streets across the Midwest okay. and some of these really great older buildings, um, perhaps historic, really a fabric of that community. Looking at um, where those communities have enough sort of economics <laughs> that you can invest in them still, but looking at trying to hold on to some of those and preserve them in these main streets and bring affordable housing, bring artists, bring creative space, bring main street retail that has local ownership and figure out how do we partner with like school districts and cities to grow up people that want to be in a storefront but create housing that, that keeps people in place. And I'm really excited about that too because I feel like a part of our work has been really urban and looking at smart, smart real estate urban decisions, um, understanding resources Urbanity is nice for resource management long term, but I think that there's a rural play too, and we're really excited to move in that direction too. Affordable housing I find really interesting. I, I just recently had a friend uh, buy his first house, and I helped him through the process, and I was amazed that the cost of living today, just yeah. to get into a small home of some sort, you know, he was sick of renting, and uh, so you're, you're, I think you're speaking about modular homes and that type of thing, right? Yeah, well, it, uh, that project is a modular townhome project. Okay. But what we've been really focused on is middle market affordable housing. Um, there's affordable housing is often funded by specific funding metrics or funding mechanisms, and there's only so much of that money, and there's a lot of players in that pool. And then we look at like market rate housing, and we're building a ton of it uh, above and beyond even what I believe is going to be absorbed by our market. It's a missing middle. So if you think about, you know. Actually, um, our lead developer that I work really closely with, he grew up in Philadelphia, and he always talks about the row homes there. That's what's missing here. It's like we've got families, but stability long-term, a beautiful, nice, well-built building, but six families are there. Yeah. And you know that style of like, yeah, durability long-term and density, uh, that's what we're trying to make. And make it that the electricians and the teachers and the people can stay in place. Make it that the units allow them to have children that grow up and then move to a different part of the unit or have a, a parent that lives in the home. I think these are the kinds of things we don't have enough of that our communities need. So business aside, um, I find you very interesting in the sense, you spoke a little bit about some of your daily practices, right? And you have a, a sense of um, clarity. Uh, you have, 
enthusiasm behind it. You have a destination in mind that is crystal clear. It seems to me, from speaking to you in the short time where I've known you, uh, do you want to talk a, a little bit about either your daily practice or what are some of the things to speak to your employees about as far as, you know, not being so much a, a go-getter, a killer in the business world, but just, uh, I guess, inner peace comes to mind or how to be a, a, a better person in general or a calmer person. You know what I mean? I, I totally know what you mean. I, um, how do you even start with that? Uh, I'll start with this. I think, I think that we all have like special gifts and reasons why we're here. And I think that that is inside of us and that's what should be guiding us you know, more than anything else is, is our, what that's asking for, frankly. And my life practices have been working with myself and trying to listen to it and build the skills, listen. Um, and move in direction of that. And the more that I've done that, the more that it's been to the benefit of others even. And that's what's been really compelling for me is to see that trusting that actually means allowing everybody else to trust that and um, has allowed me to grow in capacity and understanding where I can create more positive impact by doing so. I do think that making space to listen to that is a part of a daily practice of, I love to meditate. People that have barriers to that, I wanna say there are like 20,000 ways to meditate. Um, we all probably find our own ways. So don't let that word disconnect you from the idea yeah. of making some space to listen. Yeah, and I then, meditate by the way. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't not, you know, when there's so much stimulus, and I, I think for me that's what pressed me, pressed yeah. me to have to have some of these tools with so much stimulus, so much need to be the best I can be for my kids, for my community, my family, my big teams. And when all you can do is all you can do and you have to leave it up to higher powers, there's no more you can do but you care with everything, you have to meditate. Because you have to find a way to be and be okay. And when you hold that space, you can start to hear what's the inner narrative, the voice, um, if you're in monkey mind or if your inner narrative is positive or negative, and you can relate with it, hopefully with empathy and love. So even when it's a hard narrative, sharing with ourselves that, hey, that's a part of me trying to protect myself, that's a part of me trying to, you know, make sure that everything's gonna be okay, like, I hear you, I really don't need more of that right now, you know? Let's hold some space for other things to emerge, and eventually let that, hopefully, like, boardroom, <laughs> CEO of your boardroom, representing the different parts of yourself, that highest version of yourself, start to let that be the narrative, and start to listen to things that are beyond you, you know? When I meditate in nature, and I can be in nature, I, I get different kinds of ideas based on the kind of nature I'm in. When I'm in community and with people, and I invest in community and people, I get different kinds of ideas of the people that I'm with. So like understanding that if we open up like that and relate to ourselves, we can start to experience what's for me, what's my soul, what's passing through me. I mean, I really see myself as a vessel, really. I keep doing this. <laughs> I'm a vessel. I really see myself as a vessel. Like I am, a, I am here, and I attune myself to be my highest and best order so that that which passes through me is amplified. So that which passes through me, I can expand. So I can move it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, meditation. Uh, my first exposure to that discussion was a Tim Ferriss podcast. Mm. Are you familiar with Tim Ferriss? Mm -hmm. And uh, he described it as a warm bath for your mind. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I try to set aside quiet time, uh, typically around 10 minutes-ish in the morning, to um, visualize my perfect day and then I let my mind go blank and kind of uh, visualize myself as a connection to my higher power, mm -hmm. right? 
and I am the conduit to do that work here on Earth. Mm. Okay, so is your, I mean, you said there's 20, you, know, you, you threw out a big number, there's a bunch of different ways to meditate. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about the ways you do it? Oh yeah, um, well, I, I love breath work. Um, I think if you can use you know, movement, breath, and sound together, just in general, movement, breath, and sound together helps us move things out of our bodies. Okay. <laughs> so that's just a good thing in general, and especially if we're working with a lot of intensity in our lives. Sometimes people have a hard time with meditation because they can't bring the movement with it. So I just like to put that out there. Right. Um, sometimes walking meditation is really great when there's, when there's a lot of energy in there. If you can find something where it can be rhythmic and then you can start to relate with breath and movement, um, and then if you can start to make sound to that, you can really start to move through some of those energies if that's hard. I love breath work with counting in, hold for the same amount of time, breathing out, hold for the same amount of time, and I work with that on numbers, so increasing in my numbers, okay. and I work on that for the pregnant pause in between breaths, and that pregnant pause is that connection to the, the eternal. Oh. So when you can work on that, like in between the breath and the grasping of, of human existence, which is a part of what we have to relate to every day, we are not just grasping, at pain, or grasping for pleasure and running from pain. We want to be intentional about why we're here, and even in our divine path, we're gonna have pleasure and pain, it's all for us. It's, it's part of the whole, it's fine. That pregnant pause helps us relate with that. So I really like to work on things that help me get there. Um, but lately I've been doing a lot of like chakra alignment work where I start with a visualization um, of my feet on Mother Earth, ideally I'm outside. Um, really pulling up good energy from the earth and knowing that I'm supported in that, I'm held in this ecosystem by these trees and these plants and this air. And this bubble, like meant to be here, held on the gravity of this earth and that what she gives me is for me. So I feel that, visualize that coming up through my legs and my knees until it gets to the base of my spine, which for most people, they talk about the seven chakra fields. There's actually one on your feet and your knees as well. So get into the base of your spine root chakra. And when I reach my root chakra, I visualize a cord dropping into earth as well. Really big and rough. And when you release, you feel released on your spine, through that cord, knowing that everything that doesn't serve you goes somewhere else. And you can let go of that into Earth too and start to feel that cycle in of good and feel that cycle out. And again, putting sound to the out breath is helpful for clearing the energy body of saying, with all the things coming my way, including everybody I love, their hurt, their things. Like, a huge thing we all have to work on is what's our work and what's other people's work. And when we interrelate, that can get messy. So when we visualize this and let go, like there's stuff that gets in there, not for me, that's okay, let it go. And then when I start to build enough energy in my spine, I just visualize that moving through my chakra fields. Um, and I spend time in each of them, really letting the energy build through my body, through breath. If any of my chakra fields feel um, intense when I get there, I spend extra time in breath and relate with that energy. Uh, I also have a really interesting way of relating with pain and energy though. Like I, I can, I'm probably like, 60 hours deep of tattoo work at this point. Like everything's just energy to me. So I will say many years of this work gets you there. So if some of this feels hard when you start doing it, no worries, just keep trying at it. But build your energy up. When I get to my crown chakra, that's when it's very similar to you, allow that to really um, to touch into something beyond me. Often I visualize that energy body of things flowing in and around through my core and around like this. Yeah. Um, and like allowing that energy field to sort of build around me. Um, if I'm in that stasis for a while, they'll work on loving kindness meditation, which is coming from the heart chakra field, and I love it. Often people can start with loving what's easiest for them, so loving your babies, and like letting that energy build in your body. Um, it should start with love of self, but for a lot of people that's really hard sure. to do. So they, so children or someone else that you have empathy for is easier, which is a, a sign that you don't have empathy. 
myself, but starting and then building and then letting that build my energy field and visualizing that as I build that energy field around me through that loving kindness, my loving kindness energy can help just spread that energy to community, to others, to, to mission. And that's when, you know, I'll let that, like I'll think about stall, I'll think about our work, I'll think about my team, I'll think about my children or my mother, who are paying in my communities, what's going, I live, I live near Lake Street. Um, what's going on in our communities and just like let that be in my field when I'm in that space and try to send my energy to it allow that to be and then sometimes when I drift into to letting go is when I um, I will be able to be in sort of let go space for a while and then after that I will come back into consciousness and that's usually when I start to get flow of ideas and that's usually when I start to get like this for these people, these ideas for that, this is what I should put into the garden, this is what the babies need, this is what happens at the office and you should plant that plant out there and it's like then I let that be. <laughs> I try not to grasp at that, because that's a lot, you know, just not to grasp at that. And no, later when I come back to my journal, that's when I ask myself, you know, what was for manifestation? What should come to material form? Let that come through. What are the ideas? And we carry that. And then what that means to be a person like me is I carry that into my leadership L10 meeting, because I'm a traction company. And I carry that into my interactions with people that work with me and I bring them my ideas and my energy in the formats where they can take that, consider that, weigh it with what's pressing in the business, ask for my input on what's pressing in the business, we can, we can integrate, we leave. Amazing. It, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. You know, my, my meditation usually stops when the ideas start coming to me mm. and I can't take it anymore. So then I gotta get up and start writing it down. Yeah. And then that's the end. That's the creatrix <laughs> energy of the universe. Like that's yeah. tapping into the, that creation energy is all around us all the time. When you tap into it, all it's like, whoa. It is, it's really, um, it can be overwhelming because you're like, everyone's a good one. And it's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's truth. It's just truth flowing around. It's watery and it's moving. Um, it's like reality. Then we get to decide. <laughs> yeah. What of it do we want to move forward? So were you always this, uh, I don't know, grounded, spiritual type person. I don't know if you categorize yourself by using the right words or not, but, or is that something you learned throughout life? Uh, your, your parents teach you that? And are you talking to your three little boys about it? And, yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, no, I mean, my parents are wonderful people. I think every generation does the best they can and tries to give the best of themselves to their next generation. My parents very much took all of their hurts and hoped to give us all of their best. Yeah. Um, so I have learned so many beautiful values from them. I've also learned through my own path how to conquer shame, how to conquer fear. Um, those were not things I learned from my parents that I had a lot of that put on me. A lot of fear of what I am and a lot of shame of what I am of just like working through what is that exactly? Why do you have to, like that's different. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes and no. I feel like I, I think it's by necessity. I think we all like grasp for the divine and understanding. It's just lesser and better forms of it. You know, I, th I love when people even say addiction is a, a lesser reach for the divine. We're trying to meet a human need. Can we can we sit with that and give it a higher form? You know, mm -hmm. I think I developed a need for these things out of the coping and desire to grow. Um, and I think with growth mindset, one of the things I love to talk about is I think Shakespeare said it: "Little by little, one travels far." But it's like that incremental gain of like, you know, you don't suddenly just be like a spiritual expansive person, but if what you do is listen to yourself and what you want to do is sit in the sunshine and you give yourself that. Sure. And if what you want is to have more time with your loved ones or have a work outlet that feels aligned with your true spirit and you give yourself that, and you start to give, your, like listen and relate with that, you will develop your own practices and whatever it is that best suits you to shine. You know, I think it's, I think you can learn things and I think that it's just as intuitive. So I think some of what I did was just because I had to, and some of it I learned, and then like wove together. Like how do you relate with grief? 
How do you relate with anxiety? How do you relate with not being what someone hoped you are, but still wanting to be all of what you are? Right. You know, these are human things. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it's a little bit hypnotizing listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about this stuff all day. Alright, back on track. Um, let's see. Somebody wants to talk to you or get a hold of Stall, right? What's the best way? Oh, I, I would say we have social medias that we keep pretty active. So you can find Stall everywhere that you can find social media in Sanford, GSE Houlihan. Um, but also just email, phone number. Um, I'm pretty accessible, you know, it's funny, email is really challenging actually. Right now I'm actually working on maybe adding a signature to my email that says something along the lines of like received, I'm so glad you reached out, it's normal for me to take a couple days to get through emails and then another couple days figuring out my most intentional response, you know, here's where you can go from an urgent request because the volume of inquiry we get across the parts of our business right now is really unmanageable. So phone number in, in social media has actually proven to be almost a quicker synapse into the business. Um, but that information we can make readily available. All right. Want to do it? Yeah. What's right. phone number? Yeah. Uh, uh, mine is 612-916-6212. And what's the website? Uh, stallconstruction.com. S-T-A-H-L construction. Okay. And you're on all the social media, you said? All the social media. All right. Great. Uh, it's been a, a really interesting discussion with you. Mm -hmm. um, I think your future's bright. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I'm excited to kind of follow your path here. You know? Same. Yeah, yeah. Risk management real estate, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? All right, Jesse, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.